Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Bound the Context. I'm your host, Ryan Schreiber. With me today is Tim Beattie, all the way from London. Welcome to the program, Tim. Thanks, Ryan. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Tim, you're the global head of um, um, product at Red Hat Labs and author of this brand new book I've been digging into, um, DevOps Culture and Practice with OpenShift. Welcome. That's right. Yeah, thanks very much. So tell our audience a bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I live in, in the UK. Uh, I live in, in Winchester in the south of England, currently in London. And, and as you mentioned, I'm the global head of product for Red Hat Open Innovation Labs. Um, and I've, I've been with Red Hat uh, just over four years now. Um, prior to that, um, I worked for IBM, which is ironic because IBM bought Red Hat a couple of years ago. And mm-hmm. that's not the first time in my career that's happened. I, I seem to every company I work for, uh, Red Hat seems to buy. I'm uh, sorry, IBM seems to buy. Um, but yeah, so I, I ended up here, you know, I've been a budding agilist, passionate agilist uh, for probably about 15 years. I, I discovered it in the early 2000s. Um, I started using it um, much more aggressively and much more regularly with my clients in the kind of 2010s when it really became a prominent thing and all the big companies were, were looking to use it. I was I was using Scrum and, and Lean and, and more and more of the CICD practices with my teams, which I, I absolutely loved. Um, I, I just loved the cultural and the energy that it brings to everything, the team, to the stakeholders, to the users. Uh, I just love that way of working. It's what gets me up in the morning. Um, but I, I ended up with Red Hat because there was a there was a bit of a sticking point I had with working for a big systems integrator, in that all of the teams I worked with were from my own supply side company, um, and we were very much working in projects and programs, and um, uh, you know we we did, we used great agile, great techniques, great DevOps. Um, but usually after six, nine months, you know, project funding would run out and this team who had just reached the peak of awesomeness would kind of scatter in all different directions. And I would think, oh, what a shame. We, you just, we've got all this knowledge about the product and such great collaboration and connections and trusted relationships with, with our users and our customers. And oh, we have to all go different projects now. Um, now, Open Innovation Labs was a whole breath of fresh air to me because we were all about seeding long-lived customer product teams inside the customer um, to get the best out of um, Red Hat technology, you know, platforms like OpenShift, but also get the best out of open practices and open source principles and values, which is, of course, Red Hat's based on. Um, so so my, my job, I, I look after a suite of consulting services products um, where we immersively uh, engage our customers into our culture, into our technology, into our ways of working, into our mindset, all, all in one kind of big cocktail pot. Um, so I get, to, I get to still use all of these practices, but what I, what I get to see the result is, is long-lived teams that our customers can live on and, and ride into the, into the distance uh, together and, and, and use this. So it's a, it's a service offering that I've, I've loved being involved in and, um, you know, love, love, love what we do. And, and I just love the whole open source movement so as well. So it's, it's, awesome. it's a great, great job to be here. That's awesome. What a great position. So, so when, you're, when your customers come to you with sort of problems um, to solve, like give us an example. Like what types of problems are, are, they, are they generally solving? Yeah, I mean, so a lot of our customers have, I mean, we are, we're a techie, we're a technology company. A lot of our customers have made a strategic decision to invest in, in technology like 
containers or microservices or you know DevOps. Um, but but what they're struggling with is well, how do we get the best use out of containers? I mean, if if, if we just lift and shift all of our IT estate and pop them in containers, are we going to see a material difference? Um, because when they try that, they they don't they don't sort of see the improvements. Um, you know, they don't find themselves releasing more often or 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 having more agile agility in their products. And 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 what we find is um, a lot of those problems are actually cultural. Um, and the ways of working and the, the, the mindset to product development. Um, so, so by bringing our technology in, but then also taking a more product-centric approach um, of continuous delivery and continuous discovery and adaptive learning as we go along, um, that, that, that's how we find our customers can really get the best out of the, the, the technology. Um, and... We, 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 we look to kind of measure that um, and, and, and kind of more, almost measuring outcomes and enabling outcomes, really. So it, when you use this technology and you apply some great open practices um, and, 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 and adopt a very safe and autonomous culture, we find that's what enables teams to be able to be much more high-performing, to deliver much more frequently, to be able to take a more experimental mindset and to, to reduce the time it takes to, um, to, to get ideas into production, to test with real users. Um, so that, I think about 90% of what I focus on is really about breaking down those silos and those cultural mm-hmm. barriers so that when they use the technology, they really get what the technology was designed for, which is to kind of improve the underlying products that, 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 that they result in. That's awesome. And it's refreshing from a technology vendor because a lot of times, you know, typically enablement services are figured out some more licenses, right? Um, yeah. You know, and so it's refreshing that you're focusing on sort of the people in the process and 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 getting the most out of a technology investment. So. It is. I mean, like we're, we're a subscriptions-based business. So, you know, customers subscribe to our technology. So we want them to get the best, you know, yeah. to be completely transparent, you know, if, if they are loving the technology, if, if, our, if engineers love using the platforms and the products and the organizations are really getting business-driven development uh, uh, improvements out of using the technology, uh, then, then it's good for us. You know, our, our technology will, will, will get an, an increased adoption and will be renewed. And, you know, the, the spread of, of that way of working and the technology will go further within the organizations and to others. So... So yeah, there are financial motivations, but I, I I do like that it's that it's based on kind of a purpose and you know delivering tangible outcomes to you know end customers at the end of the day as well. That's awesome. And and in, and in picking up your um, the book here and starting to get into it last night, I think I know a little bit about your approach. But it, it, you know your approach, and I want you to describe it in a bit more detail. Seems like it pulls from different. You know, it's not at all one sort of method or the other, but it, it yeah. pulls from different sort of ideas and creates a bit of toolkit. Maybe you can describe sort of the approach that you use. Yeah, I mean, it felt like, you know, if I, go, if I rewind 10, 12 years ago, you know, Agile was become a bigger, bigger thing. Um, everyone was talking about which frameworks are you using. You know, there was, there was Scrum, and then there was Kanban, and then there was Scrumban, and and then there were lots of um, scaling frameworks. Scaled Agile was the next big thing. So you had Safe and Less and Dad and Nexus and Scrum of Scrums and all of this stuff. And then you throw in things like Lean, Lean UX, Design Thinking, DevOps, um, uh, OKRs, the, the latest yeah. thing. Um, and, the, the, you know, I, I kind of 
loved all of them, <laughs> but I didn't ever want to prescribe to just one of them. I just thought there's some really good ideas in these frameworks. Um, there are literally hundreds of practices that you know underpin them, and I don't want to have to choose one. I, I want to be able to, you know, build my own toolkit, um, and I'll use the tools and the practices and the approaches, you know, that I have got used to using and have delivered, you know, worked well for me. Um, so, um, yeah, about a decade ago, um, I, I discovered the, the Mobius loop, which I know you, you know a lot about, Ryan. Yeah, um, absolutely. One of the very early uh, kind of creators and founders of that. Uh, I, I met Gabrielle Benfield and she taught me Scrum. <laughs> Uh, formally and certified me, um, but but at that point she was you know in the early days of Mobius, and to me the the idea of having a very simple navigator that just gives you a focus on stuff that you do to discover um, what you're doing, discover your product, discover your why, and stuff to do with delivery, ideally iteratively and incrementally, but not necessarily, and stuff to allow you to switch between those two modes and, and prioritize options. To me, it was simple, sim it was pretty simple, but enormously powerful. Yeah. And I thought about all of those practices and all those frameworks, like, well, there's stuff in all of those that sit on those two loops as they are. Um, and I thought if, if we could use that as the navigator and then pick and choose the, the various tools that we want to use, but use that as a visualization tool to, to help us make sure that we're getting that balance and we're not getting bogged down in just continuous delivery or not getting bogged down in analysis paralysis and, and never getting into delivery. It's, it's a really healthy um, you know, navigator to, 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 to balance what we do and how we do it. So I've loved it ever since. Uh, you know, the more and more I've used it, the more simple I think it is, but also the more powerful I think it is. And um, when I share it with my clients, uh, with my teams, you know, they love it as well because they just think, yeah, I can, I can grab onto that and it's really going to help us. Yeah. Now it's in the book. I mean, it was really and cool now it's in the book. To, to open up. Uh, how, yeah. I actually saw my name in the book. I was like, wow, dude, my name. Actually yeah. You've got to call it a few times. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it felt, it felt, um, it felt the right thing to do. We're, we're writing a book about DevOps. Um, we wanted to focus on, on the cultural aspects as well as the technology aspects Mm -hmm. um, we wanted to make sure people were going to get the very best out of platforms like Kubernetes, like OpenShift. And, you know, me and, and my, my three co-authors, we said, well, we need a way to organize all of this huge amount of stuff that we do, um, you know, to, to, to start off products, to maintain products, to measure the success of products, um, to use all of the capabilities that platforms provide. Um, so, so Mobius felt like it was almost like a, a thing that we could anchor the whole book around. Um, and it's true, you know, there's the, the books, but in the seven sections, there's a section about discovery, there's a section about options, there's a section about delivery, um, there's a section about how to scale and have lots of Mobius loops running together. And, and I felt just felt it's a really nice way to mentally organize um, what, what is a lot of content. It's a big book. Um, what what is you know quite complex at times, quite simple at times, but you know when you stand back and you just look at the picture, we're taking people around that loop several times. We're taking people to different levels of the loops at, in products and platforms. Um, and and it, it, the feedback we got from our early user testing of the book was that this is the thing that's going to piece it all together, and it's it's just been great. So 
yeah, th- thank you for your contribution to that, Ryan. Oh, awesome. I'm just in page 50. And, you know, one of the things, and and we talked about this briefly earlier, you'd added a new element in, in this sort of under the loop. You called it foundation, I, I think. And then basically you had things like culture and technical practices. When I, and I have to admit, when I first saw it, I was like, well, what, what, you know, what, what is this? But when I read your description and I read sort of how that came about, I started thinking about my own company, my own team, my own engineers and, and, and designers who work through this. And then we've been looking for places to like, where do we describe like our approach and how we go about problem solving? Where do we describe practices? And they've, and it dawned on me, it never really fit anywhere else in sort of this loop. And then maybe the foundation is an aspect. So can you, can you go into a little bit more detail about sort of the, mm. the foundational um, pieces and kind of why you add them? Yeah, it's funny. It, it kind of just emerged um, four or five years ago, I was working with a colleague who's one of my co-authors. Um, at the time, we were designing an enablement um, immersive training course uh, to basically help scale ourselves in open innovation labs. We were growing and we needed to have a program that we could onboard people, onboard other Red Hat staff, onboard some of our partners. Um, it, it's now become a, a, a course that we sell to customers. But we we were using Mobius and that to you know navigate all these different practices like um, impact mapping, event storming, uh, user story mapping, scrum practices. And, and again, we felt oh, Mobius is going to be really helpful to connect everything together. Um, but then when we put on the table all of the practices that we use day to day in our customer engagements, we were we were doing things like, you know, we were having social contract, putting social contracts between the team members um, we were, uh, you know, having a, a big bell called Stop the World, uh, where, you know, anyone in the team at any time can ring the bell and literally we stop what we're doing because they find a problem and we want to stop the production line. Um, we had all of these things like visualizing work. Um, and we thought, oh, where, where do they sit on the loop? Are these discovery things? And we thought, well, not really, because anyone can stop the world even in the middle of delivery and that social contract. It's kind of something we want to, you know, evolve and, 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 you know, should govern the team's way of working and their culture. So it doesn't really fit anywhere. Um, but nor do we want to leave it off because we felt if we don't do these, use these little tools, you know, mood marbles was another one, team sentiment practices. And we thought these are all just little things, which when we, when we put these in place and then we try to do, you know, impact mapping and event storming, we, we find the teams just, gel better, they communicate and collaborate better. Um, they feel safer to contribute and collaborate. And I, we can never point to one tool or one practice that's helped do that. There's a load of things. So we kind of likened it to building a house on a foundation. You know, if, if you don't put a foundation in place, when you try to build a house or put people in the house, it, it could be a recipe for disaster. So we thought it's almost like you have to have a cultural foundation. Um, so, so initially, that's what our thought was. Well, you know, these are things that we do, and and, and we we don't want to different. We, we we don't want to try and mix it up with the stuff that we do on the loop, which is very much on a journey. Very much, you know, you're navigating around. This is stuff that's, you know, you do all of the time. You use all the time. You look at all the time. Um, and then the second part was, we were teaching practices like, um, test automation and continuous integration and. Um, you know, continuous delivery and, and, you know, infrastructure as code and, and all of these, you know, great DevOps practices, which have come to light. And again, at first we were putting those on the delivery loop. We thought, oh, yeah, you do some, you do some continuous integration, you know, uh, at some point on the delivery loop. 
And, and one of my colleagues says, well, you don't really, you don't, you don't, you know, on a Wednesday afternoon at two o'clock, you say, right, we're going to do some continuous integration. Now, the whole beauty of continuous integration is you do it all the time. You integrate continuously. Um, and and the, the infrastructure is code. It's, it's, yes, you use it to stand up your infrastructure. But the reason you've done it as code is at any time you can burn it to the ground and stand it up again. So we thought, again, it's it's not something you do in delivery. It's something that is there all the time. And, and actually, it's the thing that allows you to go around that delivery loop many times very quickly. And the more you nurture and invest in that technical foundation, um, the more likely it is you're going to be able to beautifully glide around the Mobius loop. Um, so it kind of came out of that. Um, and um, sometimes we think the foundation has got a bit too big if you go to our if you go to our open practice library, which is an open source repository, again, based on Mobius, more and more people are contributing practices to the, to the, to the cultural foundation. But it's such an important thing that we don't want to leave it out. Um, so we'll see where it evolves. But, but in the book, it sort of made sense for us to give it its own, its own section because it's something you really do need to invest and you need to nurture as well. Um, if you're going to have success on that Mobius loop, which is what we want everyone to do. Yeah, yeah. No, it made a lot of sense. And I think, you know, the other thing we do a lot of, like you do project-based um, sort of work. And usually, even when you bring in a new team together, it's always a new team, even it's people who've been working together before. And so we, we, we spin up new sort of Mobius loops for our projects, quickly getting, oh. so we're on the same page on technical practice and those sort of things. You know, one of the things I see for us is, is powerful is shortening that ramp up sort of time and yeah. the time to be able to kind of get in and, and, and get going on things. So, well, you know, let me, let me ask you, yeah. you, you mentioned um, a bunch of different influences along the way, different methods and those sort of things. Who have been some of the the, the people that have influenced um, sort of you and your, your thinking in your career? Uh, I mean, I think every training course, every, every thought leader I've, I've seen, um, talk or or present to me has always got the cogs going in my head um i, I you know the, the, the co-creators of scrum the, the agile manifesto writers the you know uh so many to name um they've, they've all helped shape my thinking but i think the real learning has come from the teams that i've worked with over mm -hmm. the years um uh, there's nothing i like better than sitting with an engineering team or a dev de development or operations team or folks um and just observing and, and watching or attending a showcase uh or a retrospective uh, and i think so many um so many ideas so many aha moments have come just from a small group of people who are you know loving what they do invested in in, in the products that they're building and taking time out to reflect. Um, one of the things that uh, uh, I guess a coach taught me um, years ago was the value of the retrospective. And in particular, uh, we call it the pub retrospective. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm an Irish guy, that's why I love going to the pub. So the idea that we could take a team off site, go down the pub, have a few beers, and I was usually a little bit more honest and, uh, and transparent. But I think about uh, even when I look around where I am now and I've got big build monitors around me, big screens, boards, some of the ideas where that originally started came from a pub retro. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I have to probably thank all of the teams that I've worked with for, for inspiration. Um, uh, but 
I'd be wrong not to say this, but Mobius for me has been, you know, a, a navigator for, for my career. I use it on myself. So yourself, Ryan and, and Gabrielle and everyone else in the Mobius community. Um, I, I've, I've loved engaging with them and, and seeing the, the very different ways that, 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 that the navigator tools worked. And, and, and I think that will continue to evolve over time. So they've been a great inspiration for me as well. Awesome. And I think that, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I connected early with Gabrielle on, on Mobius. I mean, we met via, we met via Tom uh, Guild yeah. one summer. I'd written an article uh, around um, and, and got to know Tom and came over. And, I'd, and I hadn't run across Gabrielle before that, but I soon read her paper on, on sort of um, scaling at Yahoo. And um, mm-hmm. and we sort of just kept in touch, but it's, it is interesting. There's a lot of sort of misses and starts. So we had a couple different names names for it i think like 007 was a name for a while and other sort of names um but it kind of gradually sort of evolved and then she's really taking it and and you know worked with folks like yourself her her role in the, the training and building the community Gabrielle strength i think she has a lot of strengths but community building is sort of you know one of those and and for me it's just so neat and now i'm a bit more re-engaged um than, than i was um for a handful of years in there and it's it's great to see it sort of flourish and see folks like yourself who, and I come, you and I come from a more technical background. You know, a lot of folks that get drawn to Mobius have a bit more either strategy or, or product. Mm-hmm. It's usually in the digital, but they're not as much sort of engineering sort of background. And yeah. the thing that I have really loved and really liked about the work that you're doing is you're making it approachable to sort of the engineers. It isn't sort of the producty thing that the producty people um, and the strategy sort of people do. You've, sort of grounded it and said, no, really, there's a lot in here that that everybody can do, especially in the engineers. And that's something I've been challenged, you know, with my team of engineers is how do you get them engaged in sort of the 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 left side of the loop, right? You know, a lot yeah. of times, and, and stereotypically engineers, like, tell me what to build, and I just want to go geek out on the technology yeah. there um, for a bit. And it's kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how do you work with them and teach them? They're like, no, explore, like, who's impacted by this? Go talk to the the customers mm. like explore multiple options before you land um, yeah. the solution. And I think that uh I'm glad that, that Mobius has evolved a bit. And I think that books like 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 yours and folks like yourself who have a more engineering and technical background um are really helping making Mobius more adaptable beyond yeah. sort of, you know, so appreciate it your is. work too. Thank you. Thank you. I, I mean it, it, it's it's interesting what you say about bringing those personas into the mix. Um, I think that's being that that's that, that's the the sign of a really high performing team mm-hmm. when you've got an engineer, maybe a, a deep back end developer, having a conversation with a business domain expert or a UX person or even an end user. Both parties getting value out of the conversation, um, and you know I think. Agile and Scrum and things like that on the right side of the loop. You know, people got it. Okay, it helps us organize our work. It helps us, you know, deliver more regularly. And uh, it's kind of helpful, but it was just an, you know, as organizational tool to those folks. Um, I, I, I think some of the recent practices that I've learned from others that um, we write about in the book and um, I use with most of my customers um, are things like impact mapping and event storming, um, which the boards you might see behind yeah. me, examples of those. Impact mapping is great because you think about how many engineers you know, are used to receiving a spec 
or just be told, can you build this feature? This is this is what it needs to be. And you know, they go away and they build it. And they, they don't know why it's being built or who's going to use it or what other bits of the application it's going to interact with. They, they just follow the spec because you know that's what they're paid to do. Um, I think impact mapping is great because it 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 maps those features, those deliverables to the actual measurable impact or outcome that it's there to achieve. Uh, and it may do that or it may not um, because you don't really know until you've actually released it and tested it and got that feedback. But at least I think when they can see that, I think having that context for engineers, just it, it, it fixes bugs before you even write the code just by having yeah. that business context. You know, and, it could, and the impact map goes further. It links to actors and goals and so on. But I, but that connect, connectivity between the, the the feature and the the measurable impact, I think, provides so much context. Um, and the event storm, probably my favorite discovery practice these days. Just it gets such great conversation, alignment, shared understanding. Um, I have I work with customers who you know have been in engineering teams for 20, 30 years, and they say. For 20 years, I've understood this bit of our business process. I didn't know it did this, and I didn't know it did this, and now I get it. And again, you just think how much wastage was, has probably been generated from that, you know, not seeing that bigger picture. So I think some of those practices have really, you know, there's been an aha moment for the engineering community that discovery is as important, if not more important for them. I mean, they, if they don't discover, then the chances of them delivering to the expectations to, to it's substantially reduced. So, um, so I, I think that the, the framework of continuous discovery, continuous delivery, and it's for everyone, uh, you know, the, the techie people knowing a bit more about the more business focused practice, the business focused people understanding a bit more about the techie practices, you know, the value of CICD, the value of investing in a, in a, in a platform and containers and GitOps and things like that, I think is really important as well. Um, to kind of bring down those silos. Yeah, and I think that the shift from, you know, code slingers to problem solvers, you know, and I think yeah. that's, you know, and that's when I talk with Fair my way. our engineers about joining. It's like, I want problem solvers, not, not, not necessarily good code slingers. Now, you need to be proficient at your craft, but mm. like, you know, writing more code is, is not the answer. Like, how do you do it with less code? Or, or no code, you know, because and, and I think yeah. a lot of times, you know, engineers and we all love to write code because it's it's just fun. It's problem solving. Mm. And I think the challenge is when, to your point, through some of these practices, they step back and see, OK, what problem are we really trying to solve? And then the creative aspect of it is, can I get to that outcome with like, fewer lines of code or a different Maybe way of thinking yeah. about it? And I think that's just a different mindset um, than a lot of people have been used to. But it's an important mindset. And to your point, it's for everybody in the team. It's not like it's mm. the product owner's job to think about these things or, or the designer's job to think about these things. It's really the team's job um, to think about these things. Absolutely. You know, we, we write about in the book about, you know, T-shaped people becoming more M-shaped people. Yeah. That's you a know, new so one. I hadn't heard of that. Up skills. I yeah, hadn't heard of the M-shaped, M-shaped one. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That It took me a second, and then I kind of figured out they have multiple, <laughs> like, you know, up and Yeah, up and they have two, two bits. Uh, I think other people have, you know, put turn it on the side, and they have key-shaped people, you know, ah. uh, like a key. So it's just different ways, but I think the key thing is the key thing is to get away from, you know, I-shaped people, because that is what, you know, the real anti-pattern of teams just being, I focus, I do this, this is my thing. Uh, which is all very risky, you know, if that, you know, that hero then leaves or isn't available and 
you know, there's so many handoffs and handovers, um, you know, across different parts of the team. So, uh, yeah, M ships people is, 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 is all a good thing. Nice. And one of the latest things for me is I've been on a kick for last a little bit over a year and a half on uh, rediscovering domain driven design. I'd, I'd, I'd used it earlier in my career, shortly after Eric came out the, out the book, and then rediscovered sort of the more strategic stuff for like how you organize the systems. And I think that's another practice mm. that we're starting to use more and more. To your point, getting the business analyst connected to the, the engineer doing the work. And it's really about building out that shared language um yeah. and that shared understanding and then collaborating on you know where our domains and where our context you know and uh had a really great guest a, a couple episodes back with um matthias basically talking about sort of you know domains live in the problem space you know bounded mm. context live in the solution space and having the engineers know enough about the domain to help draw those contexts um, and that leads right into things like you're talking about, like, you know, APIs and, and, and containers. And so it, it starts to lead naturally to how you can sort of break up your system. Because, I mean, you're probably seeing this too. Everybody's running away from monoliths. They want to go to microservices, yeah. but there's generally not a good how to get there. And I think that uh, yeah, domain-driven design and using some of the sort of the practices that you lay out in, in Mobius can be some yeah. sort of a way of starting to get to that sort of you know, future state architecture. It is. It, it's... Um... Uh, it, it is a practice which I think needs a really good facilitator. Um, I'm, I'm lucky in that some of my colleagues have, have just become really skilled at, at, at facilitating great event storming sessions. What amazes me after maybe three days of event storming, and it's tiring, you know, everyone's on their feet for three days and they're walking up and down walls and iterating and recycling sticky notes. And what what I've loved is when we reach a point where we're ready to put a pin in the event storm, it's not done, it's never done. We're going to come back to it when we return to discovery loop. But we've we've decided that we've got enough to now go and you know carve out our options and, and get into our first iteration of delivery. And, and literally within maybe half an hour, a couple of things have emerged. Um, first of all, the logical architecture has just stood out of the event storm. We've been able just to take all of these, uh, they're called aggregates, um, and we've been able to take out the the kind of the read models and the third-party systems and literally just move them onto a logical ar architecture. And it hasn't, you know, we haven't needed a, you know, a senior architect or anyone to come in and, you know, apply their brain to it. It's just emerged out of the business context discussion. Um, I, I, and I remember, you know, I remember projects 10, 15 years ago where, you know, it would take months to reach that kind of, maturity of architecture um and you know this is just the beginning it's an emerging architecture after that but it gives us just enough to go and get started and then the second thing the kind of the the product backlog items um you know surface really out of the commands that that, that come out of a, a really good event storm or domain driven design um you, you might put it through something like a value slicing board to to help with the priorities a little bit you know there's different priorities and practices but but the the way to then suddenly, oh, I've got a backlog and I can now, if I still deliver these, my system or my application is going to come to life iteratively and incrementally, which of course fits really well with the delivery loop and the, and the kickback arrow. So um, I think um, when I've had customers do event storming for the first time, it's tiring and it's frustrating at times. Why are we doing this? But then suddenly I've got a really well understood backlog and I've got logical architecture. And in a week's time, we've got our first increment of the software. 
and you think, wow, that's that's pretty impressive. Um, you know, that just by connecting that discovery practice, that options practice, and that delivery practice together has has just generated such a an amazing experience right around the loop. That's awesome. And by and one of my little side gigs is um I've I've been reading up on the DDD crew and 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 their stuff. Nick Toon came on the program a while back and, okay. and I took his class and uh he he laid out sort of hit the, the way you apply DDD and I cut up in pieces and overlaid it on the Mobius uh, loop and sent yeah. it back to him. And it's like, yeah. hey, what do you what do you think yeah. about this? And uh, he's yeah. like, hey, it looks pretty good. So uh, it is. I, I'm I'm working on an, another. Maybe we can collaborate on that. But it's it's basically once I understood the the way they described doing a domain driven process, it felt very like natural. Like you know, start with why. <laughs> like you know, who are you impacting? And so I just sort of took the steps and walked it around the loop I was very familiar with, and I was like, ah, lays out pretty nicely. It's it's funny that it, it shows the many different levels you can apply Mobius to. Um, yeah. You know, you, you can you can apply it, you know, at a at a product or a business level, or you can apply it to a, a, a bit of a, a different context, a, a you know, boundary context, a, a part that you're going to do. And I'm just going to produce a Mobius loop from this. Mm-hmm. Um, someone I was speaking to recently suggested um, design sprints. They they've just done a design sprint, and they said effectively we did a design sprint off one of our options, and it kind of just instantiated another Mobius loop, which we went all the way mm-hmm. around. Got the learning from our design sprint, which then went back into the mothership Mobius loop, <laughs> and uh, you know all of the learning from that. And I thought, yeah, that's a clever way of looking at it. Um, and uh, you know, I think even you know strategic investment, um, you know, leadership teams could be looking at big, you know, portfolios and thinking, well, yeah, I, I'm taking you know big ideas, big initiatives around the Mobius loop, and I'm spinning up products or projects which are their own loops. You know, maybe there's a platform underneath which is its own loop. Um, so it, it's it's very clever when you think about the idea of connecting Mobius loops together and you know re representing um, you know practice or things that we do with a Mobius kind of lens on it. Um, I think really helps people understand it and on the on the power of it as well. Nice, nice. I agree. So, so let me ask you: What are some of the hot topics you're thinking about these days? So, um, I mean, you're pretty advanced, obviously, in your methods. You got your, your book out. You, you know, you got some a lot of good practices. What's sort of on the forefront for you? What do you sort of, if you looked at the next six, twelve months? I mean, what are the things you're interested? Yeah. In? So, I'm at the minute really interested in platforms and platform teams. Um, mm-hmm. Not sure if you read the book Team Topologies. That's um, right over by, here. It's um, another one. You got it. Yeah, I got Excellent. it. It's a, it's going to be on my vacation. Um, I got I touched oh, it with the base with Man- Manuel um, Manuel is it? Um, so, but yeah, I can't Manuel. wait to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's it's brilliant. You'll love it. You will. And you will. You will see Mobius loops emerging out of the book when you read it. Um, <laughs> you know, so Manuel Peace and Matthew Skeleton, I think, are, have really come up with a gem of an idea around. You know, streamlined teams, which are kind of like product teams with a focus of context of a, an area, and platform teams, and the idea of platform as a product. Um, and it's, it was in the last chapter of writing the book, which I, I, I think we started to land at a lot of kind of the similar mindset that you know, this um, this Mobius mindset. If, if you're if you're if you're if you take a product mindset of continuous discovery, options, continuous delivery, when we build products. And we develop really great relationships with users and empathize with users and use all of these practices. Would that not, could that be also be applied with underlying platforms? You know, where 
platforms are emerging and evolving and are going through a continuous discovery option, continuous delivery, um, where platform engineers are building empathy with the development community and the engineering community who are adopting the platforms so that they are delivering platform features which are enabling product streamlined teams um, to be able to, to, to do their job much better through automation, um, through, 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 through other practices. And, and can we measure the benefit of platforms as uh, so measurable outcomes on platforms? And I, I, I think this is where you, where there's, there's been an anti-pattern recently, I think, where CIOs have, have made a decision, we're gonna buy this platform and everyone's going to use it. <laughs> And um, and then platform adoption has has been a struggle. You know, engineers have found it difficult to use or difficult to onboard to. Um, maybe they haven't had all the tools that they hoped it was going to have. So I, I think a much more mature way is going to be the idea of an emerging platform that's tightly connected to its users. Mm-hmm. So um, I and I, I think this lends its well to, itself well to the whole site reliability engineering you know aspect, which I think is a hot topic as well. And I think you know. Team topology, site reliability, engineering are you know tightly tightly connected and overlap when it comes to the underlying philosophy of um, of collaboration and visualization and um, you know using metrics that matter. Um, so I so I think that's that's going to be a lot of my my focus over over the next kind of um, six six to nine months. Um, I'm I'm also kind of curious as we start to hopefully touch wood come out of the pandemic. Um, what does that mean? Because obviously we've all switched away from yeah. physical boards like this to virtual boards in Miro and Mural. Um, I don't know. I think some people can't wait to get back to the sticky notes. Some people are thinking, oh, actually, the uh, virtual boards solve some problems that we had and it's cheaper. Uh, so I suspect that the, the answer isn't one or the other. It's going to be something new um, or something hybrid and I don't know what that'll be. I think it'll be a lot of experiments. Um, tomorrow I'm meeting with a virtual reality company who are going to demo the idea of a, a virtual walk the walls. Uh, so, you know, I'm kind of interested by what organizations have innovated on during the pandemic to, you know, solve new problems which are going to come and, and seeing how that ties in, in into my world and, and the kind of services that we provide. So, so it's going to be busy, but um, I'm, I'm sure it'll be different and exciting. That sounds like a great list. And uh, so the final, final question here, what are you listening to uh, these days? Are you much of a music person or like an all, books, books on tape, audio? Not on tape anymore. Nothing so so tape. I am a music person. Um, I, I listen to anything and everything. Okay. Uh, I just just got the new Coldplay album, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's formally released next week, but I've, I've heard, heard most of it. Um, <laughs> what do I listen to during the day? It's funny. Um, I, I, I suffered some productivity problems in the whole work from home thing. I just found I just wasn't able to get into the rhythm of work. And, and I kind of discovered when I did a bit of a retrospective on myself that I, I did my best work when I was on trains and planes and uh, in co- coffee shops. Um, and I, I suddenly realized, I think it's the background noise I'm missing. <laughs> so when I'm at home, I'm not home today, but when I'm at home, I know I have an app, it's a noisily app that basically plays all day. You can have like, you know, rain outside or, or a train chugging away. And uh, I've had that in my, in my AirPods and I haven't been immersed back into work uh, 
So maybe a different answer, but that's what I've listened to a lot. It's, it's a lot of background noise that I haven't been used to hearing the last year, year and a half. Um, and awesome. you know, someone's come up with a product to, to, deliver, to solve that pain point and uh, it's working really well for me. So continue to listen to that. That's awesome. What a great selection. So, hi, Tim. <laughs> thanks for coming on the program. It's great to see you. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great.